creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Today on Culture Click, we are in the studio with Allison Quam to discuss the Ecological Lecture Series hosted by WSU and Winona Historical Society. We talked about what the series is about, how it came together, and who all was involved. This is KJ with Allison Quam on Culture Click. So I'm here in the studio today with Allison Quam, who is a librarian here at WSU. How are you doing today, Allison? I am well. Thank you for uh, reaching out to me to schedule this interview. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm really excited because this is a kind of interesting topic. Uh, so to start off, uh, so we'll today be talking about uh, the ecological lecture series that was um, being co-hosted by the Winona County History Society and WSU and uh, a bunch of other uh, helpful sponsors. Uh, so to start off, I want to ask, what exactly is the ecological lecture sh- series? Yes, thank you for asking. So the it's part of a larger grant project that we received funding through the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund um, through a grant-funded appropriation to the Minnesota Historical Society. People often refer to it as the legacy grants. And so we applied for a heritage partnership grant, Winona State University and Winona County Historical Society. And through this grant, the biggest part of the grant was to have a reconstructive vegetative map of Winona based on an 1855 land survey. And one of the lectures that we hosted talked about um, this project, St. Mary's University of Minnesota Geospatial Services. We contracted them to do this project, and they presented a, a few weeks ago on that. that. That lecture was called Mapping Ecologic History in the Driftless Area of Minnesota. So that was a big part of the grant. The other parts of the grant was to uh, be able to digitize resources that highlight the unique features of the, of the Driftless Area of Minnesota, and then also to have ecological experts talk about aspects of the Driftless Area or other things that we could connect to our understanding of the ecological history. And so we've had six lectures. Tonight is our last lecture, um, and each of the different speakers talk about some different aspect of the ecological history of the area or of the region. Last night we had Eli Sagor, who talked about Minnesota woods, and he was able to apply his knowledge of Minnesota woods um, to aspects of the of the woods that we would find in the Driftless area. Okay, that seems really interesting. Uh, so, quick question, because uh, I myself am not sure, and I, I bet some other people might not be. Uh, what exactly is the Driftless area of Minnesota? Yeah, that's a great question. So, Driftless saying Driftless area is um, uh, the one way to think about it is that. Uh, over hundreds of thousands of years, there were different glaciers that have uh, came down into North America. And when the glaciers came in this area, or in Minnesota and Wisconsin and further south, um, they would um, kind of flatten the, the landscape. They would bring um, what we call drift, so boulders and rocks and other materials. And then as they receded, those things would 
stay on the landscape. Well, this part of the area, which we call the Driftless Area, it, it covers four different, it's found in four different states. So Minnesota is the smallest chunk. The biggest part of the Driftless Area is actually in western Wisconsin, um, parts of Illinois and Iowa. And it's, as far as we can tell, we don't see glacier deposits in this area. So that's why it's often referred to the Driftless Area. The more scientific term for the area is Paleozoic Plateau. Um, so often you'll hear um, scientists and, and people who study um, aspects of the area, they'll refer to it as the Paleo Paleozoic Plateau. And the thing that makes it really interesting is that you will find species in the Driftless Area that you don't really find anywhere else. And so we have a unique biodiversity in terms of plants and insects and other animals that exist here that are not really found in other places. And so the hope of this lecture series and of the, the uh, reconstructive map is to help people see and understand and learn about the, the uniqueness of our area. And then hopefully that will lead to action to protect it and to conserve and to make sure that we're making decisions that protect this just incredible area that we live in. Wow. That Yeah, that sounds really amazing. I mean, I knew uh, all about the glaciers being in um, these areas. Uh, I'm from Wisconsin, so I kind of knew a little bit about that. Uh, but yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. There were four different major glacial events over the last I don't have the exact number because I, I am not a scientist by any means. I'm, I'm a librarian with a literature background. And so I, if I, any scientist listening and I get the facts wrong, they should definitely chime in and correct me because we want to make sure the information is accurate. But there are four major glacier events. Um, some of them did come into the area, but the last one that we have some record of or some um, some research has been done is, is what they people often refer to as um, when they talk about the Driftless Area. Okay. Sorry to have cut you off. I apologize. Oh, no, you're totally fine. If you if you have something to say, go ahead and say it. I'm just here asking the questions. <laughs> um, so you kind of touched a little bit on it uh, when you answered the last one, but why why is it so important to talk about and learn about this type of stuff? Well, one of the reasons, at least from that guides me, you know, as a librarian, one of the things that I hope to do at Winona State as a librarian is to um, give students the tools and the skills to be able to analyze and to research any topic. And so I'm always looking, and so are all my colleagues, we're always looking for ways that we can provide students the opportunity to learn something new, to be curious about it, and then demonstrate how do we go about researching that idea and that topic. But first you need to have the resources available to you and make them readily accessible. And so with this ecological history, this um, reconstructive map, which I will give, uh, I need to give credit. The, the idea for that map actually came from Andy Bladorn, who is the creator, curator of collections at the Winona County History Center. He, he found this land survey in his museum's collection, and he started thinking about, well, what are ways that we could 
um, use this map to give opportunities to the community. And so he and I had conversations about it, and that's where this idea blooms from. Um, and so the thing that's really great about it is that the St. Mary's team took that map and they used their skills within the geoscience systems, and they created this map that allows us to imagine this place at least the way it looked, or the way that surveyors documented it looking in 1855. And so they have made this map um, very accessible, and it helps us to imagine that data in a new way, which can lead to other questions. And so as a librarian, it just it fits into everything else that I, I enjoy doing, which is presenting information or tools to students that helps them imagine and come up with other questions. Um, I kind of see it as a catalyst or a touchstone for other opportunities. And so, you know, even for the greater community, thinking about how this map can help us all imagine the way this place might have looked in 1855 and then how much we've changed it in that time period. And what does that mean for us as humans and our relationship to the land and relationship to the environment? And knowing this information, what do we do with that now? Do we do nothing? Do we make small changes? Do we advocate in different ways to our local government governments? Um, do we? What do we do with that information? So it's. I just see it as my my way of. And not just mine, but the universities and the historical society's way of presenting information to the community and then asking them to think about it and maybe take it and do something more with it. Yeah, that yeah, that sounds amazing. I, I really hope that we do do, do more with uh, what we have available now. Um, so that actually kind of uh, makes me question. So he, the curator found the map, um, and all of that helped create uh, the map that shows what it used to look like. Is that how kind of the whole lecture series idea stemmed from, or where did the idea for the lecture series start? Uh, well, one of the things that, you know, being at Winona State for such a long time, I... I see as part of our mission statement is to provide opportunities for the greater community to to learn new information and um, to develop curiosity about topics that we may not have an opportunity to learn about. And and so that's where this lecture series came out is, you know, this is part of the university's portion of the Heritage Partnership Grant is to develop this lecture series and provide an opportunity for the greater community to be able to attend. Um, and so it just, we proposed the idea to the Minnesota Historical Society to include this lecture series as part of the, the grant. And they really liked the idea of this grant being, we have a resource that we're creating, which is the vegetative map. We also digitized the land survey, it was an 1862 transcription of the original land survey, so we digitized that. And then we also digitized these two botanical specimen books, which were um, 
created or were curated essentially in 1899 and 1912 by students of the Winona Normal School. So we digitized those images and now the objects will be protected, but the images, these, these specimens from around the 19th century will have been preserved, which is really cool, late 19th and early 20th century. So the people can go in and, and get a sense of what some of the plant specimens were in the area. And it all helps with um, advancing scientific knowledge to have that kind of data accessible. And then the third part was this lecture series, which was to, or and has been, um, these six lectures talking about different parts of ecological history and to make them freely available to everybody, which I think is part of our mission is, again, to expand knowledge and to provide access to resources to everybody, making it equitable to everyone. And, you know, with the pandemic, we were going to have this lecture series in person last spring, but we postponed it because of the pandemic. And I think now the thing that I, I it has been really interesting, you know, tonight is our sixth lecture of the series. It's the last lecture. And what I've heard from people is they, they are so grateful that it was available on Zoom through the Internet because otherwise they would not have been able to attend because they live 20 minutes out of town or they're an hour away, and it just would not have been reasonable for them to drive into town to attend this lecture. And so it's really opened up access to people to be able to attend these lectures. And then the other part is that we were able to record the lectures, um, which we could have maybe done when they were in person, but it was a little bit more manageable when it was already on Zoom. And so we're archiving these lectures, and they'll be available through the Open River Digital Repository, which is through the Winona State Library. And then anybody can watch these lectures at any time they want. And it, it, it feels like such a tremendous gift by getting this grant that we can then give this information back to the community for as long as, and for as long as we possibly can, which is really remarkable. Um, I think people are going to, if they haven't, if they haven't seen any of these lectures yet, I think they're going to really enjoy them. Um, all the speakers have been really wonderful and have given us such a great resource that we get to use hopefully for a very long time. Yeah, it. I'm I'm glad that you you guys were able. It, it's sad because I mean obviously you kind of want stuff like that in person, but it it's good that a lot more people were able to join because of Zoom. And then, like you said, you're recording it so they can. Because I was gonna ask later if people hadn't seen it, if they could view it later. Which, obviously, if you want to view it at some point, go to go to the library. Yeah. So we have um, you know if people were are wondering where to find this. The easiest way right now, um, I mean, I could explain all the different clicks that you could go through, but if a person Googled Open River as one word, Winona.edu, they will find it and then look for lecture events in the Ecological History Lecture Series. Or they can just contact me or anybody in the library and we can direct them. Right now we have three of the lectures up. Um, We'll have the next two up very soon. We're working through editing them and making sure the captions are correct um, because that's also really important is to make sure the captions are um, are there for accessibility. 
and then all of them will be up and, and available through the Open River um, repository within the next couple of weeks is what we're hoping. So what I've been saying to people is like, if you miss the whole series, you can binge watch them when you're done with school in May. <laughs> and what a great way <laughs> to spend your May is to listen to lectures. It'll be a total of about six hours. So I think a uh, great binge watching opportunity. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, stop watching. Stop binge watching stuff on Netflix. Go watch something educational. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it, and learn about the area of where you live. I mean, it's... Um, you know, it's very unique uh, in that we have this collection of series, this collection of speakers here to talk about this part of Minnesota or even different parts of, of the region. Um, yeah, I, I feel that we're very fortunate that we have we have had this opportunity. So, speaking of the different lectures, uh, you mentioned that there are six of them. What kind of what were the varying topics between each lecture? Yeah, so our very first lecture was with Diane Wilson, um, who's a Dakota writer, and she talked about um, her work with um, uh, seeds and um, heritage seeds and how important um, different plants have been to the Dakota people. Um, so that was our very first lecture. And then we had a someone from the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. His name is Mike Lee. And he talked about the plant species that are uh, rare plant species in the Driftless area. He has spent time doing a survey down here, and so he talked about um, the plant species one would find, specifically in our Winona County, Houston, and Fillmore counties, um, and Wabasha counties. And then we had the St. Mary's University Geospatial Services team, they talked about the, the big part of our grant, which was the reconstructive map um, of the city of Winona based on that 1855 survey. And so they go through the process and talk about what that process looked like and, and how they put together the data to create the final project, which was the story map. Uh, and then we had a, uh, a Gregory Edge, who is a Wisconsin DNR um, staff person, and he talked about um, disturbance ecology and civil culture in the Driftless area, but uh, specifically in the Wisconsin side, and he talked about oak savanna and woodlands. And then last night we had Eli Sagor, who's a um, forester up at the U of M, and he talked about Minnesota woods and the how it has changed and how it will change and, and certain things that are affecting it's long-term health and, and different management strategies. So that was uh, last night. And then tonight we'll have Dr. Michael Dockery, who is an assistant professor in the Department of Forest Resources at the U of M. And he's going to talk about, the title of his lecture is Learning from the Indigenous Roots of Sustainable Forestry in the USA, Promoting Sustainability, Community Healing, and Partnership. And so he'll be talking about his work with um, the Menominee Nation in Wisconsin and that experience of sustainable forestry. And also, I'll just mention that with him, we, he, that lecture tonight is being co-sponsored by the Winona State All-University Land Steward, Arboretum and Land Stewardship Committee. And so because of that, we're not only going to have the lecture tonight, 
but he's also going to do a social hour on Friday at 6.30 where we can have a conversation with him. So people, anybody can attend that and then be able to talk directly with Dr. Dockery and, and just have a conversation about about his presentation tonight or, or other things. And so that'll be another really good opportunity for people. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, we'll throw yeah. it out there for the listeners real quick. This was recorded on uh, April 21st, so it will already have passed uh, before okay. <laughs> you get to listen to it. But no, that was that's still really cool because, I mean, hey, I mean, you can't go listen to the lecture. You can just binge watch them later. Yes, absolutely. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. I may even do it. I may even watch them again, <laughs> even though I've watched all of them many times because I'm editing them. Oh, <laughs> oh, editing is so much fun when it comes to lecture stuff. It is, you know. But I'm learning so much about Adobe Premiere that I I feel pretty proud that I'm figuring some of that out. So. Sometimes it's good to have these experiences where you're doing something from work and you have to learn a new skill, and and it's it feels pretty good. Yeah, I've um, since I'm a math uh, comm major, I've become very familiar with Adobe Premiere. Yeah, I bet you have. I I, I for my film class, I just finished uh, editing a 15 minute movie that took like well over 20 hours to edit. Oh my gosh, I I I. Yeah, I I mean, you know, these lectures are about an hour, and so I'm not doing any anything real complicated with editing them. But I'm just trying to, you know, make sure that long pauses are cut out, and and you know, we had some technology issues, so I've kind of edited some of those things out, and um, it's been interesting, and I, I feel s- yeah, I feel pretty proud that I figured it out. So it's, well. it's good. Pat on the back to you for doing that. It, it can be hard, trust me. Um, so you mentioned that this was originally going to be last year. Um, how long did it take to put all of this together? Okay, so we started, sorry, I'm just thinking about timeline. Pandemic has kind of altered the way I think about time. Um, we submitted the grant to the Minnesota Historical Society in in January of 2019, but we had begun the planning process in fall of 2018, <clears throat> and then we received approval of the grant in the summer of 2019. And that's when we began the process of um, looking for a company to do the reconstructive map and contacting speakers and figuring out how to digitize the botanical specimen books that summer in 2019. We were able to get the reconstructive map project started that fall. We did the botanical specimen books. We digitized that in February of 2020, so right before the pandemic. Um, And then we had the lecture series, everything all planned out, and it was going to occur in March of 2020. And so, um, thankfully, all of the speakers were very sympathetic and empathetic and were willing to reschedule 
Um, they they were all all of them were so easy and accommodating and flexible. I really appreciated that. And they all you know all of them said, let's just wait and see, and and we'll just go from there and see what we can do. And so we you know stayed in communication throughout all of last year, and then it was clear in the fall um, that you know, the spring was going to be uncertain about whether or not it would be safe for us to all be together. And so I proposed let's do it over Zoom, and all of them were very agreeable to that. Um, and that's how we we came to be. We, they all wanted, we all wanted to do the, the lecture series still. Um, my grant, I did get an extension on the grant, and so that deadline was extended till this summer. So we needed to finish up the grant project by the summer. Um, yeah, and so that's, it, it's been a long process. Um, normally it would have only been about a year we would have finished up last summer, but, but here we are. Wow, yeah, that, that was, that's actually really interesting. I mean, I know sometimes, like, applying for grants and stuff can take a while before you see if, uh, anything happens, but to, see that it all started back in like 2019 wow that feels forever ago <laughs> it really does i mean the planning was in 2018 and True. uh i mean and so it started that fall because I mean, the grant deadline was in you have a pre-application deadline which was in january 2019 and that's when they tell you okay um yes here's some things you need to think about before you submit your final grant. So the final grant was due in March of 2019. And so we had months of preparation and writing and communication between the history, um, the historical society and, and us to figure out the logistics and what, where is the partnership and um, how are we going to work this out? Who's going to be kind of in charge of the project and, um, so a lot of that, we had already, the History Center in Winona State had done a partnership grant the year before we had digitized Cal Fremling's archive at the History Center has the physical materials, um, but we digitized them and then they are available through Open River. And if you're not sure who, or if you haven't heard of Cal Fremling, um, so there's the boat, which is named after him. He was a professor in the biology department a world-renowned freshwater um, river biologist. He studied mayflies. Um, and he passed away in the, uh, about 2011, I believe, uh, or a little bit earlier. I might be mixing up the dates. Um, but he retired in about 2004 or so from Winona State. He wrote a book called Immortal River. Anyway, so we had done that heritage partnership Heritage Partnership Grant the year before. So we'd kind of gone through this before, um, but this was a significantly larger grant, and there were a little bit more, a little bit more planning going on with this one. Nice, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it obviously turned out really good. <laughs> yeah, we're. I'm really, I'm really happy with it, and I think um, the historical society is really happy with it. Um, the story map that St. Mary's G, um, GSS program um, put together is really phenomenal. It's just a great resource. I hope people explore it because it's, they did a really great job. Um, I love looking at it and playing with it. And um, 
we're just, again, so fortunate that the state of Minnesota has these legacy funds and that we're really grateful to the Minnesota Historical Society for approving this grant um, and supporting us through this whole project and giving us the extension. Um, yeah, we're just, I, I'm just so grateful for this entire project and that people will get to listen to the lectures uh, in the future and play with the story map and see these digital images. Um, it's really, I think, a tremendous gift, and a whole lot of people went in to make this happen. Um, the list of people to thank and to appreciate is very long. Um, <laughs> so it, it's it's just very it's a very cool thing, and I hope that um, people take the time to listen and explore explore the whole thing. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you guys got the grant to do this. It it seems like a, a really good project and something that needs to be told. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, there are, you know, there are plenty of resources out there to help people learn about uh, our unique ecologic history here. There's a whole lot of really good stuff out there. And the hope that we have at the library is that we can start to collect some of those things and put them together to make it easier for our students and our community to learn more about it so that um, maybe it'll lead to other projects and other ideas that will just make this place even better to live in and to protect all these great, beautiful, and unique resources that are here. Yeah, I, I really hope anyone who watches the series uh, takes something away from it. I hope so too. I'm 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 thinking that that's happening, but you know, and the other thing that's really I think important that I keep thinking about is that I I and everybody else who's been involved in this project, we may never know how this has inspired people, and I think that that is just fine as long as it's inspiring people. Yeah, that's that's actually really amazing. Yeah. Um. So after seeing how well this has turned out, even amidst pandemic. Um, do you guys maybe plan on doing something else that's similar or uh, anything like this again in the future? You know, I don't, we don't, as far as I know, I don't have any plans. Um, and I haven't heard of anybody else in the library or the History Center right now. Um, but I think we're all really open to opportunities that will come up. And hopefully, maybe in the future, we will see or plan something else similar. Um, but as of right now, we don't have any plans. Okay. Uh, and I guess final question, um, if besides um, going and binge-watching the lecture series, uh, where else, if people are still interested in learning more, where else can they learn about Minnesota's ecological history? Well, you know, the Minnesota DNR has a lot of really good resources. Um, and if people are interested in learning about the Driftless area in Minnesota, I recommend that they look for resources that talk about the Paleozoic Plateau. That is the Minnesota DNR's terminology for this area. Um, but I would start there. The DNR has some really good resources about plants and animals that are unique to this region. Um, 
I am slowly compiling a list of bibliography of other things. But that's where I would begin, is they would be the best resource for starting that exploration. I agree. Uh, well, thank you, Allison, so much uh, for telling us more about what this lecture series is. And I, I hope anyone who's listening, if you did not get to witness the in-person, well, over Zoom, technically, go go out and watch binge-watch the lecture series. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks again to Allison Kwam for the interview. To watch the Ecological Lecture Series, go to openriver.winona.edu. To stream today's episode or any other episode of Culture Click, go to kqal.org under the podcast tab. This is KJ on Culture Click. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to Culture Click.